Sid. Sid is in the building. Hola. If we had a building. <laughs> I have returned. Sid has returned by popular demand to the podcast. Uh, my name is Marcus, as always, and Geneva. Do you want to just kick it off? Talk sure. about Geneva. Honestly, like I, I haven't. I try to keep up with auto news as best as possible. Now yeah. I don't know if there's like certain sites you follow like on a weekly basis. Yeah, I follow uh, Motor One, which used to be World Car Fans. Oh, okay. I check Left Lane News. Yeah. Auto Spies and Motor Authority. Those are my four main web- websites. Auto that Spies. I, I've never heard of Auto check. Spies. Spy before you buy. That's what the fuck they say on there. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, no, I've seen like some news coming out of Geneva. I guess the the um, 720s people finally saw that. Yeah, a lot of um, breakthrough vehicles have been released as usual. Why were Roadster as well for Geneva? Yeah, there there have been a couple that have kind of leaked through, such as 720 Wire Roadster. We were expecting those ones for sure. Yeah. GT3 with the stick shift. Yeah, those but were all known. Yeah, you're right. Have you seen what RUF released though? Oh, yes. You just reminded me of that. I saw a couple photos, or I scrolled quickly past them, I should say, like on Instagram. So RUF has released uh, what they like to call the latest iteration of the Yellowbird. Wait, so when was the last time they put out a car? Because I just remember them from, you know, Gran Turismo and stuff. No, they've always done, like, 997s. They've done their version of, like, a 991. Oh, okay, okay. Stuff like that. However... They haven't been as, I don't know if it's fair to say, as iconic as, like, the original Yellowbird and stuff like that. Sure, Because yeah. it was truly the air-cooled cars that they were, like, super, super famous and spearheaded their company with, right? Yeah. Like, that. I don't know if you remember, but I think I talked about it on the last podcast with you. There's that very famous video of the Yellowbird going around the Nürburgring, and the guy is just <laughs> sawing at the steering wheel, like, doing full-on power slides, like, drifts, basically through 80% of the track. It's without crazy. any error at all. So that image sticks in a lot of people's minds, and as well as my own. And I've always been a fan ever since, right? Oh, yeah. Once you have an iconic thing like that. Um, but, yeah, and, I mean, I guess now there's... I mean, I don't know how long Singer's been around, but, you know, Magnus Walker is around now, too. And uh, this will be cool. I haven't seen the car, really. I haven't checked it out too much. This but- yellow bird basically makes a singer uh, seem very pedestrian. Uh-oh. <laughs> Wait, is it a 991? or No, they basically take a 964, just like singer does, and uh, they insanify it. And what do I mean by that? They put serious engineering into the thing, mm-hmm. like full-on carbon fiber chassis, full-on wow. carbon fiber body, 700 horsepower, what the heck? And the 964, that is a very light car. And get this. I mean, any air-cooled Porsche. 1,200 kg. Wow. Okay, that's... <laughs> and super cool modern flush door handles that pop out just like on a yeah. GTR or the new NSX. SLS or something, yeah. 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 So, yeah, that... And I think they're making a very small amount of them. Yeah, that would make sense, I pull yeah. it up. 649 pound-feet of torque as well. Six-speed manual. Okay, these are going to uh, be one of those cars where the the asking price from uh, roof, rough, wh- however you want to oh, pronounce it. 750,000 euros. Jesus Christ. So, <laughs> like I said, make Singer seem a little basic. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, Singer's are, how much is a Singer? You know, like five. Singer is 700 grand Canadian, so okay. that works out to about like 
four ninety US. Oh, US. Yeah, 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 yeah. So basically, half the price of what uh, RUF is asking. That's crazy. And I think they're only making thirty. Zero to sixty in under three and a half seconds. Yeah, that asking price is not going to matter the minute those start appearing. I think they're all sold around out around the world. Yeah, yeah, I think they're all sold out already. <laughs> yeah, as as it is with uh, all the Porsche stuff. Oh sure. Did you yeah. hear that all the GT threes are already sold out? All four manuals. Yeah, all four thousand. Oh, they making. are four thousand. A decent number. People That's are dumping the PDK ones now. They are oh, just really? showing up at all the local dealers. The prices are going down. That. That would be a good buy. If the GT3, the PDK, the 991 comes down enough, that's... Yeah. Well, it's going to get really close to, like, our 35 GTR category mm. in pricing. And then that's when it'll be. That's a, a no-brainer. very fair argument. Yeah. Uh, no-brainer no bra- no for us. Yeah. <laughs> but for others, personal yeah. preference. I just think PDK and uh, what Porsche is doing... And I think, I mean, the 911 looks way better than the R35 GTR, in my humble opinion. But, uh, yeah, that's really exciting. I saw the, I just saw a photo of the back end of the, like, the 991.2, I guess, the manual one. Um, yeah. Not too, I think the wing changed a little bit. More of the same. Yeah. Porsche likes to. Pretty much the same. Evolve <laughs> instead of create a revolution. Yeah. Which brings us to McLaren. Yes. McLaren completely changed the design on the new car this time. Yeah. The it's... front end of it, I saw a picture posted by uh, our dear friend Frank Stevenson, yeah. head designer of McLaren. He posted a picture of a great white shark or a Mako shark or some sort of really large predatory shark side-by-side side front end with the 720. It mm. is the same face. <laughs> and then the back is just the McLaren F1 redone. McLaren F1, I see P1. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I see some LT in the exhaust pipes. Well, that's what Frank says. Like, he gets a lot of inspiration from, yeah. you know, the environment, wildlife, and stuff like that. And this thing already, mat- numbers-wise, is like a one-to-one match to a 675 LT. Right. Imagine what the LT version is going to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's nuts. Now, do you think that this is... Do you think this is going to affect 675 LT values in any way shape or form because personally i i don't see it happening i think no. the 675 is very special the 675 lt and all lt models are basically in their own realm in that sense in terms of value mm-hmm. because of the production number right all the production number of the regular s models so 570s 570 540c 570gt 720, 650, all of those guys are production cars. So they are planning to create ballpark anywhere between three to 10,000 models or wow. basically as much as uh, they will receive as orders they will build. Sure. Whereas the LT models are usually capped at very limited numbers to keep the customers happy, A, and to compete with the more special models from uh, Ferrari and Porsche, like the RSs, yeah. the Speciali, Scuderia, whatever you want to call those. Yeah. No, I mean, it makes complete sense. Um, and, like, the 488, I think, right now is still on the level of, you know, it's not lagging behind, you know, like, the four, at one point, McLaren had the 650S, and Ferrari yeah. still only had the 458. And it was like, well, that's that's also a no-brainer. But now it's a 488 GTB is a is a crazy car. 
Yep, 480 GB though did come out two years ago in Geneva. So oh really? Oh, yeah. it was only two years ago. Wow. So yeah. the speciality model of that one is actually due for next year Geneva. I was gonna say, yeah. When is that coming along? The, all the cycles just keep continuing. All you have to do is just look at what they did before. Yep. And then you you can straight up calculate like how they even increase the horsepower, mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. Because it's, it's all <laughs> just biz- percentage. Yeah, it's make, all like, a business graph. for them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They know what's going to happen. They can predict uh, what's going to happen. And uh, but the 720s now, are you? Because a lot of people are not fully on board with the new design direction. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I believe the new design is a completely complete departure from the 650. And the reason why they had to do that was because this car is so much more technologically advanced. Mm -hmm. Even the lights are air intakes. The door has two separate skins on it. Yeah. Right. So they started doing things that are super unconventional, super. I mean, may you even say abnormal in the regular um, car industry. But as a result, they have something that is basically from the 23rd century. Right. So a lot of people <laughs> look at it and sit, look at it and say it's weird. But I'm sure a lot of guys, when they saw the McLaren F1 for the first time or the Zonda for the first time, although stunning, maybe a little strange. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Zonda also is a very, um, that's a hit or miss for a lot of people too, you know, like the headlights and stuff. The Huayra, not so much. I think oh, most people would... agree the Huayra is like a gorgeous car. The Zonda is like a hit out of the universe for me. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I 100% agree. The that back car is like too, a crack like, hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those Halo cars that, uh, I don't know, that's going to stand the test of time, like in terms of value, in terms of, you know, you know being remembered like the F1 was or something like that. I mean, it already one. is. The Zonda, yeah. Do you know that there are only, fun fact about Pagani, there are only two guys in the AMG factory that are qualified to build um, Pagani engines. Oh, really? That makes so total sense, though. You can actually specify who you want to build your engine. Yeah. One of them is a uh, shout-out to Instagram, F1Mike28. Oh, damn. <laughs> Michael Kubler. He builds uh, YRA engines. Yeah. That's crazy. What a jo- what a thing to do for a living, you know, to to uh, to work your way up. Or I guess they don't want the. I mean, it makes sense to not want the guys that are building that just got on the job and are building, you know, C sixty three AMGs, A forty five, A forty five AMG. Yes, exactly. And then to uh, to put it in like an SLS black or uh, or the new um, new AMGs or whatever. Same level, right? Yeah. Def- yeah. So, but the thing with Mercedes is they say that every single AMG engine is hand built. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If they build 20000 a year, and it's one man, one engine, <laughs> god damn, that's a big factory. Uh, so you might think that there's some, there's some curtains going on. There's, there's a back room with the, yeah. the, uh, the lesser of the... Let's just say I wouldn't be very surprised if uh, the lower AMG models were yeah. 75% assembled by robots yeah. and the fine finishing touches. Yeah. It's the yeah, it's the fine print of the AMG building process. It's exactly. just like <laughs> Pagani one though. Oh, hundred percent. I believe that. Oh, one. of course, yeah. It must be. Yeah. Or so they say. When you've gotten partnerships like that, yeah, it makes sense. But yeah, in terms of the seven twenty S, like we heard this from Frank, like even a year or two ago, and he, when he couldn't really talk about it, but he was like, "Now McLaren is like okay. Now we have free reign to step away from." the mp4 6 uh, 650 uh, 675 kind of just design language and to step into the 720 i think it looks great 
and it's cool that so many of these cars, I mean, like Koenigsegg 2, are, they're gorgeous cars, but like you said, with the headlights on the 720, they're, you know, they're designed for airflow, they're designed for aerodynamics, and they're still pushing the boundaries, right? Oh, it looks at least a generation or two ahead yeah. of even the most cutting edge ones. Mm-hmm. But the new mega cars <laughs> are going to make are going to make that look super basic. Yeah, the Regera is the first one. I don't know if you saw that one at the at the Geneva yeah. Auto Show. It yeah. was the green carbon one. Yeah, insane. No gearbox in that car apparently. Yeah, Koenigsegg's they're they are mental. Direct drive. Yeah. yeah, talk about a car manufacturer or something that's from the 23rd century. That's uh <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine what one gear feels like, yeah, probably pretty unnatural, and he also yep. still has paddle shifters on his car where you can pull the left one and it'll give you more boost, okay, that's nuts <laughs> that's crazy that's yeah exactly <laughs> crazy you, alien stuff you've got like no gears, but at the same time you still have you know the engine it's still burning gasoline, fifteen hundred horsepower, yeah, that's one nuts. gear that's crazy, I don't know. Supercars, fast. Like, how many names are they going to come up? You know, there's there were supercars, right? The Countach was like the tip of the iceberg when it came to supercars yeah, at one point in time. I'd hypercars. say they still use the term supercar during the Enzo era and the uh, Pagani right. Zonda. Mm-hmm. So they would still call that one the supercar. It was when they tried to depart away from that, meaning the Veyron was the first one. Yes, and yep. then every subsequent car that came from the companies as their heavy hitters after that. Mm-hmm used sort of the Veyron as the benchmark, per se, and tried to beat it in different respects. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's weird. A lot of people don't like the Veyron, but like you're saying, it... Uh, it was absolutely necessary. Kind of made it happen. <laughs> well, yeah, we wouldn't have broken through the sub-three-second barrier, zero to 60 time. We wouldn't have broken through the, you know, close to 1,000 horsepower mark. Mm-hmm. Seven-minute Nurburgring time. Yeah, and then weight is still everything, right? So once they drop the weight just a tad bit, it doesn't matter if you don't have four-figure horsepower. You'll still rape the Veyron. Oh, yeah, yeah. And at the time, I mean, the Enzo looks like a hypercar, but it only has 650 or some odd yeah. horsepower. And then, like you said, the Veyron's like, boom, 450 horsepower more. Oh, yeah, it just, right? ate, it just ate the Enzo in terms yeah. of speed. Although I'd yeah. still much rather have an Enzo than a Veyron in terms of collector purposes. Yeah. I wouldn't even drive this thing. Just put, put it in my house and just lift the doors <laughs> open. Hang out around it every day. Yep. Yeah. The, en- the Enzo is weird. It's a... Uh, I've only seen one in person, and that was last year at the auto show they had one. To understand how Ferrari sees the Enzo, mm-hmm. just think about it this way. In the future, Roads Untraveled becomes a really big automotive company. Hopefully. You thanks. have tons of employees. <laughs> and they are so proud of a video that they make yeah. that they call it the Marcus. Think about that's that. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how they see it, right? Yeah. The Enzo is a very, very special one in terms of like true collectability and Ferrari and the ones that people go nuts after. It's the 40. Because mm-hmm. that's the last one that Enzo really did have a direct influence over. Yeah. The 50 was like a bit of a departure. It's interesting that it's like that because they still had the V8 in it. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. the F40. And then as soon as Enzo was gone, they're like, oh, shit, let's just stick the big-ass engines back into these yeah. things. Yeah, a V8 with turbos. V8 with turbos. Yeah. In the 90s. That's uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. Very unconventional at the time. Yeah. Oh, for sure. To go from turbo... Now it's the exact opposite. Nobody's going from turbo engines to NA. Like, nobody. That's never going to happen again, I don't think. It just makes me wonder what his thought process was at the time. Yeah, sure. Quite interesting. Yeah. Hey, maybe he was just ahead of his time. He was like, yep. things are going this way. Let's try it out. <laughs> well, Mercedes was like that back in the day, too. They try to sell that today, <coughs> but they have other ambitions now. Mm-hmm. Back in the day when their plan was to be like the most cutting edge and like safety was number one and only the super ballers could afford us and stuff like that, you would be able to preview what would become industry standards mm-hmm. by driving in S-Class of the time. I remember in 93 when the S-Class came out during that time, so right. before the 2000 ones when they started looking all weird they still had the boxy shape <laughs> sure yeah the nice ones the nicer ones yeah so yeah. that car had rear heated seats it had rear um, adjustable seats with like it, it could basically lie back not all the way but you know kind of like a first class seat sure yeah it had abs it had traction control it had a lot of stuff that were just completely like technology to the max at that time and all of those things now you find in, you know, from like a Corolla to a fucking LaFerrari. Yeah, yeah. And they try to do that again when they say like, oh, yeah, you look at like the S-Class today and then you'll know what's going to happen. I think it's kind of like half-half now. It's not – that's that theory has sort of like died down a little. But when I was in high school, I ate that shit up like fucking cake. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, you guys are like cutting edge. But then now I think back on it, that yeah. was their dark ages. You think so? Yeah, an S-Class from, like, when I was in high school, like, 2003, 2004. Oh, yeah. Holy fuck, man. You can get one, like, low mileage for, like, <laughs> 5K. Yeah. And I'm talking, are, like, 70,000 km. Yeah. It's because they had the aromatic suspension. So if that, that shit oh, failed right. on you, then, like, 3G's out the pocket. Apparently, it's really good suspension, though. Oh, fuck. Those are, those it, are gold. Yeah. In terms of, like, ride quality and, you know, it can still handle, stay super flat and stuff. Exactly. But once it goes, you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah, so you're paying, like, 70% of the car's value. It's like, what the hell's going on, right? Well, it's kind of like, if you're, if you're the first owner, then all the technology is, like, awesome to you. Oh, and yeah. then the used owner is, like, the technology's still awesome by the time they get around to it, but it's already failing. And then you're stuck with the bill. Exactly. Essentially. But, yeah, I mean, that's... The system that they had was kind of, uh, I don't know if it was like one of the first that was, you know, like you said, really capable on track, but still like daily drivable on the street, right? That's why I have a very interesting theory when it comes new, when it comes to like new car versus old cars, Mm -hmm. especially when it's European cars. As soon as that warranty's gone, you're like pretty much on ice. Yeah. And it can be totally smooth sailing. You could have the good thickness of the ice all the way through. But yeah. at one point, you're going to fall through. <laughs> you don't know when the fuck that's going to be. But when it happens, it's going to be cold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a ticking time bomb. So I, I would love to find, a, like, you know, a C43 AMG. I mean, maybe those are a little bit more reliable. It's, you know, NAV8, not much tech. But I think 90s wasn't as bad. Mm-hmm. Like, my advice... To anybody listening, plus myself now, I've sort of formulated my own like theory, is if you're going to 
drives if you want something with all the technology all the bells and whistles something super new stay within the warranty buy something that's only a couple years old through three or four years old tops try to get that extended warranty sure just so yeah. you don't have to fucking worry about that shit yeah if you want something more classic you got to stick like 15 years plus back that's the yes. only way that yeah. you'll get something that you don't have to worry about that kind of shit it's everything that was made within sorry about that that was my phone <laughs> Everything that was made within like 10 years, if the warranty goes on those, you're like super, super hooped. Oh, yeah. Which is why I got rid of the M6. Yeah. Yeah, but it, su- it really does suck though because – I fucking love that car. But, exactly. Yeah. That, there was a lot of awesome cars like that. I mean it still has like an NA engine and stuff. Really cool. But yeah, the tech is uh, – but back in the 90s, like for instance, my MR2 – it's still very much mechanical, right? There's, I mean, it has a distributor. It's got a cap and rotor. Like, it's very, still has, you know, ECU issues or tuning issues. You can still tune it and stuff like that. But it's the most advanced stuff on that car was, like, ABS <laughs> and power steering. Exactly. Much more simple, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I guess their turbo system on any cars from, like, the 90s, mostly in Japan, you know, with the Skylines and stuff, they were really tapping into, you know, boosting turbos and stuff like that. And making torque and power, which Honda is still not doing. But they don't give a fuck because they're lapping the Nurburgring at ungodly speeds <laughs> with the new Civic. But Yeah, so any M model from BMW, mm-hmm. just buy a manual. Mm-hmm. Like, it, if you can, just buy a manual. Do they have a lot of gearbox issues then? Like the SMGs or no? The SMGs, yes. Yeah. They do have a lot of gearbox issues, but on the worst part of that, on top of all the gearbox issues is the fact that when you have to drive them in day-to-day traffic and you really you really feel that it's 10 years old yeah like it's very (laughs) slow to respond to you it clunks at like the worst time right right if you're going it's not bad but it's the fact that there are the new trannies nowadays when you drive the ones with like the proper DSG, PDK, double clutch, shit like that. And then you go back to the original SMG. You're like, what is this shit? (laughs) You know, like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. But that's what they had back then. Back then, that was cutting edge. That was like, oh, look at my fancy F1 paddle shifter. That's that. Yeah, that to me is nuts. That's just like the awkward years. Because even you go back and you drive older 80s or 90s cars with just a generic, you know, two, three or four speed auto. It's way nicer to drive than in a bad scenario with a clunky amg in my opinion it's better to drive but it feels like an ipod one <laughs> it's that shitty a black and white screen it's all pixelated and stuff yep. yeah yeah you gotta fucking spin the finger on the volume yeah. i don't think even the younger listeners know what the fuck i'm talking about no right but yeah the one with the four buttons and stuff it's bad children it's bad yeah finally finally this the uh pixels are starting to get clearer and clearer and then pdk Boom, McLaren, boom, Ferrari, boom. And now it's yeah. just... And now it's just golden. Unreal. No reliability issues, no no clutch every 50... Because, you know, back then when they formulated that F1 transmission, I bet you they had like a fucking crazy corporate meeting and said, we can use this transmission to mm-hmm. sell a uh, disposable clutch that they would sell to their customers. And they could control it via electronics. That's why in M cars... Very interesting. Yes, you can abuse them and burn them out at 20,000, 30,000 km. I'm not mm-hmm. saying you can't do that. However, if you drive it moderately like a normal person, 
it cuts out at 50,000K. It's like pretty much guaranteed. <laughs> and then you'll fix it. And then 50,000K later, you're like, you're just like sitting there like, shit, when it's going to happen, you're going to sit there like yeah. a fucking squirrel in the forest. <laughs> oh, God, that's my phone. Um, no, but seriously, that as a business like idea, if that was the case, yeah. <laughs> totally makes sense for them, right? Yeah. Reliability doesn't make you money, per se. No. I mean, it does because in the long run because it makes loyal customers, potentially, right? But supercars, nobody gives a crap if a supercar is reliable in the first year. Like original Gallardo E-Gear or yeah. Yeah. A 360 Modena with the F1 transmission? Those are like 10 Gs every 40,000, 50,000 K. Yeah. I don't see someone doing that in a Ferrari as much. But the Gallardo probably it's four wheel drive. It's small, livable car. Doesn't mm-hmm. have like you know crazy doors or anything. But then yeah. those cars are basically going to become dirt cheap because no one wants to pay ten Gs to fix a clutch on that car, right? Yeah. Yeah. At what point is it just not worth it? That's why the manual values are going up. Yeah. As they should be. As Another should reason be. to push it further, right? Yeah. But then again, like Aston Martin. And I don't even think Aston makes. Did, did, I guess yeah, they make a manual, don't they? They make a six, manual. Seven six speed manual, seven yep. speed manual. Yeah, no, they still do. I guess, which is good. I don't know. Do you know if the DB11 comes in a manual? I don't think so. Not not at the moment that I know of. Right. But I know they're starting that new line mm-hmm. with uh, you know, the Vantage GT3 looking like things. Yeah. And, like, huge yeah. wings and stuff. Those ones will have manuals. Yeah. The rare the rare occasion every few years where Aston goes from like. We're the classiest motherfuckers in the V12 space yeah. to, no, we can do lap times and we're going to make our cars look absolutely like off the chain. Well, That's the Nebula has crazy. a name now. It's called the Aston Martin Valkyrie now. The Valkyrie? Yeah. See, Aston Martin still has cool names. And like, that one's the me- the mega car. That one is apparently going to come out and take the Regera by its panties. Right. Oh, jeez challenge uh the new amg car as well i don't know if that's in the same like league yep the amg car um i know somebody that did ask mercedes for a quote for how much that car was going to cost yeah four million canadian wow (laughs) i don't know what's going on anymore this is a weird (laughs) world that we live in they're just targeting smaller and smaller markets they're like next thing you know they're going to come out with you know like a 10 million dollar car yeah I'm, i'm good over here yeah, <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a really nice house, bro. Yeah, as long as they make cars like that, then we just everybody else just gets the trickle down technology and gets awesome Not cars a bad thing. that are depreciated. Right? Although I did hear something interesting about the Mercedes car. The AMG boss came out and did a press conference, probably during Geneva, and said that uh, the engine on that car is only going to last thirty one thousand miles before it needs a full rebuild. Really? On a four million dollar Mercedes? That kind of makes sense. If you look, well, I don't know much about F1, but if, from what I've heard, if you look at F1, I mean, they go through engines like crazy. They just lunch them. Yeah. It's, I mean, it makes sense. The further you push the physical capabilities of anything you're building, you're going to have issues. Which makes you wonder. They're the only the first one that's come out and announced it. Sure, yeah. It makes you wonder what all the other companies are doing, what the reliability on those hypercars are. Yeah. No one's ever driven them to that mileage, so we don't know. Yeah. So far, the only not, only sports car or supercar that's been known to have super high mileage is like a 911. Yeah. Other than that, I haven't, you know, maybe Matt's LS. <laughs> <laughs> Almost a million miles. Oh, my God. That thing's a road warrior. Um, but, yeah, no, that's 
that's totally true. I don't know. Ferrari's an interesting case, too. Um, but, I don't know. Did you hear about their little scandal that's going on? What's going on with Ferrari? Oh, you don't. We're going to get banned for talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get banned. So there's a lawsuit right now in Ferrari that uh, a former employee is suing Ferrari North America, saying that they were trained to use the ECU tool and that the ECU tool has the capability to roll back the odometer on any digitalized odometer on a Ferrari. Whoa. Now, knowing this as knowledge, you're going to say, okay, they can do that, but what's the big problem? The problem is they did do it to a LaFerrari, and they increased the value of that car by a million dollars U.S., now wow. that the guy quit or got fired or whatever, he's coming back out and saying that he was the one that actually did it. It's becoming a big fucking stink. Wow. And let me guess, Ferrari is doing their utter best to just cover this up. Oh, they're losing their shit over yeah. it. But yeah. that uh, ECU piece can be purchased by anyone. Really? And if you are trained properly... That can be done by anyone. And so put on was, any car? or was, No, put on any Ferrari. Ferrari, yeah, It yeah, was yeah. very stupid for them to, like, you wow. know, reveal that or even let their employee know mm. that, like, that's what they have the capability of doing because it's just human nature, right? That Oh, yeah, yeah. Once you tell somebody a secret and it's really fucking juicy. Hey, man, people are greedy. Exactly. People are greedy Money fucks fuck. people up, man. <laughs> and, I mean, like, that goes back far. I, I, I don't know if you know this, but, um, like, I don't know, but the three... Was a 360 the f- like have a digital odometer? Yep, 360 Pro- is the first one. Yeah, exactly, right? So, I mean, that's that's a lot of Ferraris. 360s, they made so many. 430s, same thing. it brings into question every Ferrari that has been made since the 360. Mm-hmm. How many of them are legit? How yep. many of them have been rolled back? And now, yeah, in the in the uh, um, secondhand market, exactly. Like, how are you? How is there going to be any filter to check whether or not it's legit or not? That's why if this thing blows up. The way that it's looking like it is right now. This is fascinating, this is, this honestly. This is bad news for Ferrari. This is crazy. That's, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that, that can be every LaFerrari. Yeah. Every LaFerrari can be 100 miles from now on. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. And if, yeah, exactly. If owners aren't in the, like, social media or public spotlight um, and nobody knows what the mileage is Even actually Even if they on the are, car, do you know the mileage of, like, say, David Lee's LaFerrari? This is true, yeah. I don't know if we can even find out. Yeah. yeah. No offense to you, David Lee. You're a cool guy. <laughs> Hong Kong love, bro. <laughs> I recently started following him on Instagram. Like, oh, a month he's ago. a fucking badass, man. Yeah, he's got a lot of cars. Heng Lee Jewelers. It's <laughs> pretty gangster. If you want to know how to get a LaFerrari, there yeah, you go. Sell some watches. Yeah. Start Diamonds. flipping, boys. Yeah, no, that's, that's fascinating, too. I wonder what they're going to do about that. I'm surprised, honestly, I haven't heard anything about this, but that's nuts. The, high, the supercar world is always uh, full of interesting things. Actually, in any corporate world. Sure, yeah. Because if there's corporate entities, then a lot of the times there's cover-up. There's cover-up. People are always trying to get ahead, right? And I don't know if you've ever read the, the, this article. I remember reading it in high school, talking about how like a corporation is set up as a psychopath. Like it needs it own its only sole function is to advance itself in yep. any ways necessary. Generate more And the revenue. second that it has other elements that are like human characteristics, such as morals, values, stuff like that, that aren't in line with just purely making money, 
then it's no longer a corporation. That's like the actual definition is that it just its only goal is to be a machine. Yeah. And once humans sort of line themselves into there, then, like I said, money fucks people up, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's why uh, I think stay small, people. <laughs> that's that's what makes you pure. That's what yeah, keeps rain, you, that's rain what keeps stuff you pure. in, you know? Keep control, I guess you could say, right? I mean, that's why Pagani is awesome. Koenigsegg is awesome. I mean, Ferrari is still making crazy. I mean, the LaFerrari is a very, like... It's a race-inspired car, obviously, but I feel like it's still got that Ferrari, like. Well, Horatio <laughs> has a very unique story himself. Mm-hmm. Do you know his background? Vaguely, very. Vague. So he used to work for a Lambo. He worked oh, really? for La- I did yeah. Not he know worked that. for Lamborghini in like the seventies and eighties, <clears throat> and he played a huge part in helping develop uh, the special edition of the Countach. Mm-hmm. So you see that big ass wing and those giant arrow on the Countach yeah, yeah, when yeah. he started developing that when it wasn't just like the you know regular bare ass one. Horatio was the one that implemented those things onto the car. Wow. He was also the person that um, went to the table to all the CEOs of uh, Lamborghini and you know. I think whoever was in cahoots with them at the time and mm-hmm. presented that, hey, we should do carbon composite cars. We should introduce carbon fiber into car making because right. this was what was being developed in the military or whatnot or in like F1 racing. And basically those guys laughed at him and they told him, you can't make a car out of this material. It's way too expensive. We're not selling fighter jets here. We're selling <laughs> fucking cars, bro. Yeah. So he said, fuck it. I'm going to kick it. I'm going to make my own fucking company. Wow. So he started Pagani and then he bought Autoclave, which is retarded money back then. Yeah. So that's honest. That's kind of a new uh, scenario, kind of like for how Lamborghini started. And Lamborghini kind started of, or... as a customer of Ferraris. Oh, okay. Oh, right, right. And then he, but that dude, Lambo made tractors back in the day. Yes. Yeah. And he was a customer of Ferraris and then he this is the legend, the myth, is that he put his own clutch into his Ferrari car and then it worked better. So he went back to Enzo to show him. Enzo told him he was not making any sense at all. Yeah. So he got super pissed at Enzo and told him, I'm going to make my own shit. Yeah. But if that did not happen, then the first mid-engine supercar, the Miura, would not have been created. Yeah. Thus, every subsequent supercar, you know, or who knows when it would have been developed, right? Mm-hmm. It got it got a head start. Imagine seeing the mirror in the '60s, right, rolling yeah. down the road. It'll look like a fucking spaceship. That's and yeah, and that wasn't honestly that wasn't even that long ago. Like, no, it's before I was born, but wasn't that long ago. Well, all this is post-war, right? Yeah, a lot of us that are born in such a like super comfortable society where we're like, you know. Just go to work and enjoy our cars, enjoy our food. Oh, I want to eat. Let's go to the supermarket. That's it. Yeah, yeah. We don't understand that. Life is easy. A little bit further back, you know, people were just tripping out, worried about when their house was going to get blown up and stuff. And when that era stopped, there was just this burst of creativity because everyone was just so happy to be alive and, you know, have a privileged life. Yeah. And I'm sure a certain amount of that was, you know, like, Wow, time is uh, is very precious in a sense, right? Yeah. So, like, if if you're gonna do something, may as well just put everything into it and do it now. Well, it's almost like a renaissance mm-hmm. that was created, and that's why I respect 
Horatio so much is because I feel like he's trying to bring some sort of that feeling back. Mm-hmm. And like Richard Hammond said on one of the Top Gears, right, Pagani still retains its innocence that Ferrari and Lamborghini no longer have because mm. they are now large corporate entities that have masters to answer to. They're battling that fight between the corporation and the passion. And the passion, yeah. Whereas Pagani is just purely there. Mm-hmm. He didn't give a fuck. That's yeah. why he's a gangster. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's fascinating. That is, I did not know that about Horatio Pagani. I mean, it completely makes sense. It's carbon fiber body grandfather, yeah. man. Yeah. That's why every carbon fiber car I see, I think about him. Even when I see like a fucking tuner R35 GTR, mm-hmm. I just think I'm like, Pagani's still your granddaddy. Yeah. <laughs> that dude's still alive walking around. Yeah. Alpha 4C. Pretty badass, man. Yeah. No, that's super. That's crazy fast. And then now you have people that are pushing that to the max. Like, you know, I don't know if you saw Glickenhouse at Geneva Auto Show. So Jim Glickenhouse is a guy that's based in New York, mm-hmm. and he likes to modify Ferraris. Okay. So one of his last creations was a P45, which he takes an Enzo, and he completely rebodies it, and it was his own car. And he's only created like two other ones for other people because wow. they're just so retardedly expensive. But goddamn, that thing looks nice. Wow, that is cr- nobody really does that with that. I wouldn't high end say of a it's so much nicer looking than an Enzo, but I would like them together so badly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the ultimate threesome. You know? Yeah. Just insane. Just insane. So now he's created his own racing car. Oh, really? Yeah, called the S- SCG, Scuderia Cameron Glickenhaus. Mm-hmm. 003 or 0003. It's just this really tri- trippy name. Mm-hmm. And Cameron is his wife's name. Glickenhaus is his last name. And Scuderia is his like, racing team. Right. So basically what he's created is a complete carbon fiber body down to the chassis, down to like the strut braces, every single part of the car, except for the nuts and bolts. Yeah. Are made of is made of carbon fiber. And he registered the damn thing for the road after he finished racing with it. <laughs> so people can actually order that car. Yeah. And it's super raw. Yeah. Like I'm talking you could hear the gearbox like original McLaren F one LM raw. That's cool. That's cool. I think he's going to sell a decent amount of those. They're now, really now nice do cars. you think, like, he went, you're saying he went from, you know, like, taking a Ferraris, modifying them into street cars, and then he made his race car, and now he's kind of, like, bringing it back to the yeah, street? Yeah, and you, when you see his racing cars, there's, like, a lot of influence from mm-hmm. Ferrari. Like, you can see that it's what shaped the way that like he designs his cars he was really into like the old p4 like the 330 ferrari right like the perfect racing car bubble roof yeah. era those cars look like nothing else on the yeah, planet like nothing else. lightning mcqueen man like all of us are just chasing that dream yeah. today and i don't think we will ever reach it because the rules and regulations just fuck with it too much right but this guy steep keeps going on mm-hmm. he, he still creates these cars that look like straight up Le Mans race cars and they are Le Mans race cars the SCG he competed in 24 Le Mans and he fucking won with it yeah crazy that's nuts but now do you do you think uh, companies like Koenigsegg and uh, Horatio Pagani are going to end up trying to do that right Le Mans well no any any form of racing series you know because right now they're both dedicated to street cars and street cars only do you think there'll be a time five, ten years from now where we'll see like Koenigsegg at F1 or so, or even like Lamar or something like that, you know, or hey, some other GT3 series or something? Anything is possible. Mm-hmm. 
based on what they're doing right now, I'm not so sure that that's what you know the direction that they're going in because yeah. they have such high demand in their cars. Plus, they can only make so many. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting what direction they are gonna go. I've read a really interesting article about uh, Koenigsegg, about how the owner Christian von Koenigsegg has GPS control of every cu- customer car. What the heck? So people can directly message him and talk to him and you know about their cars. That's nuts. So I, I think that's pretty cool. It's like a super personal way of sure, yeah, keeping track of your cars as well as keeping in contact with your customers. And I think that's very important yeah. in people that are a lot about like the passion instead of completely about like the money making part of it. Mm-hmm. So people like Christian von Koenigsegg, uh, Horatio, and even uh, Nakai to a lesser sense. Sure, yeah. You know. Well, right when you said that, when you said, you know, like, you have that contact after you've built the car, that immediately made me think of Nakai. I was like, that's... So all yeah. of these people like to have their own personal touch mm-hmm. onto the car. And, and if they don't, then it's not considered one of their products, right? Right. And no, I'm sure that, too, with these cars, like, if you buy... If you're a Koenigsegg customer or a Pagani customer, I'm sure you can just drop by the factory anytime. Like, if you're just driving by, you know, come in, see what's going on, hang out for a little bit. Absolutely. Like, not a problem. And they have a new factory now, Pagani. Holy shit, does it look nice. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I'll well, show you some pictures yeah. before you go. It's, oh, yeah, it's no, for sure. extremely badass. And, like, Pagani and Ferrari, as far as I know, are, like, all very... And there's a few other of them that are very close. Yep close there in italy right no they're within a stone's throw away from each other it's yeah. pretty cool that's that's crazy that's definitely another one of those uh like if i was to do you know a europe trip and like you know like hit up the nurburgring hit bucket up spa, list, bro. Bucket yeah list. it's a, do all that right that's definitely bucket list stuff oh that'd be cool one day one day one day my friend yeah Oh, we still got to go to japan together one of these times yes japan is definitely high up there on the list for uh for car-related trips, for hang, sure. Hang out at the RWBHQ. Yeah. That is that is nice. that like RWBHQ? So are there are there like a bunch of cars there or like? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because Nakai-san's constantly working on cars, even in Japan. Sure. Yeah. Because, oh, I'd imagine. Yeah. Because his demand has shot up so much, now the wait times of people's cars in Japan have increased a lot, right? Yeah. For example, there is the first lady driver in Japan right now, which is happening um, subsequently to the same time that uh, my girlfriend's having her car made. Mm-hmm. So they're the first two lady drivers in the world of RWBs. No way, really? Yeah, so Rumi-chan is the one that's in Japan. Her car's pink. Super hilarious. But then her car takes like a month to complete because Nakai-san keeps going back and forth. So he'll cut the fenders, mm-hmm. and then he's got a paint booth at a shop. So he'll cut the fenders, and then he'll fuck off somewhere. And then yeah, the right. people there will paint it and you know, do some other prep work, and then he'll come back. And it's a much different process now. Yeah. Whereas before, back in the day, people would just drop off their car in Nakai-san's, and then you know, he'd close the gate, and it would just be there for a little bit. And then you'd come pick it up. Your car's completely new and done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating how it's changed like that. No, yeah. that's super cool. That's really cool. So super excited to have you uh, at our build next month. Yes. First twin build in Canada. That's coming up. First lady driver in North America or international. Yeah. And uh, first carbon fiber roof backdate car. Ooh. Ooh. Carbon fiber making a comeback. (laughs) Our our little tribute to RUF. We can't afford the whole car in carbon, so we're just going to do the roof. (laughs) 
ghetto style. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, it's the best part because the center of gravity just inherently lowers a little bit, you know? Apparently, it's a lot louder after you install oh, yeah. it. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. The elements are much more exposed to you. Yeah. Which brings me to the carbon roof scoop. Have right. you heard of how it is to drive a like P1 or, or, or a 675 yeah. LT with a carbon roof scoop? I've heard very, uh, very small things from uh, Sal Mondrin on YouTube. Yeah, so as you touch the throttle, mm-hmm. you can actually feel the wind travel through the roof wow. down the back of your neck. <laughs> you can feel it. Yeah. And when you floor it, then it's enhanced, right? Uh, wow. One of the managers at McLaren Vancouver told me that yeah. he once floored it in an LT or a P1 or something like that, and literally the hairs on the back of his neck stood up because of the sensation. It, yeah. feel, it feels like somebody's like trying to grab you in the back. It's like a ghost yeah. telling you to go faster. <laughs> yeah. It's like in those movie theaters where they have like, like 3D isn't enough, so they have you know like the water spraying on you or something like that. It's kind of like... The added so effect. much want, bro. So much want. That's it doesn't so have to cool. be on a, on a Mac, you know? If yeah. we could somehow implement that into a more uh, street-friendly, well, not even street-friendly, but more pedestrian car, mm-hmm. such as a 911 or maybe even a Japanese car. Yeah, a five-digit car. Yeah, something that's, you know, under six figures. And I know somebody's done it to a 911 in Japan. Mm-hmm. There's a guy on Instagram... His name's really long. I don't. I don't want to butcher it, but uh, he did a full carbon fiber body 911 wow. that basically looks like an RWB, but I'm sure it's not. It's his own version, right? Because you can't cut it after it's carbon. <laughs> Way too expensive. So he has a giant uh, roof scoop on his car that feeds directly into the rear engine as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense. Something to look into. Maybe I should do that on the MR2. Something to look into. <laughs> People have actually... Oh, maybe someone's... No, nah, nobody's done that on an MR2. What am I talking about? The most they have is, like, you know, those, like, air scoops that Oh, the come side out. one? Yeah, the yeah. Side, I'm not Kinda a big like fan of those. Kind of like on the NSXR? Yes, exactly. Yeah. The NSXR does have those, yeah. It's pretty cool. Oh, no, he's... Yeah, the NSXR has one at the, like... On at the, the roof? Yeah, on the oh, roof. it does have a roof scoop. It's, it's basically, like... It looks like a temple or something. Yeah. Pagani Zondas, the Roadsters... Mm-hmm. They have a crazy looking roof scoop. Like oh, the yeah, the ones, ones that go like yeah, over top like of hanging. your head. Yeah. 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 It's like some crazy Jetson looking shit. Yeah. That's that's the nuttiest thing ever. Just looking at that, I'm like, if that was a toy car, that would be the bit that would just snap off like accidentally. Just yeah. crack. Oh, it's gone. The, the, those cars are truly dream cars. They've replaced in my mind the F four they're like the F forty of today. The like, Zondas, yeah. Like to truly yeah. have like a Zonda or a Wyera poster on like the wall. Yeah. It reminds me of like back in the day, 930 Turbo on the wall, Kuntosh on the wall. Sure, yeah. It's that feeling, right? Yeah. It's that feeling of unattainability, like you'll never see that car on the road. It's so badass. Yeah. <laughs> and then now it's just like you go outside the street in Vancouver and it's like, oh, there's a Ferrari, there's a Porsche, there's 918, a yeah. Yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. I wouldn't say 918. No, but, I know. 918. But you still are... see one like, you know, a couple times a summer or something. Sure, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and even in when I was down in LA, I only saw one nine eighteen. A bunch. Everyone has Rolls Royces down there, though. Oh my yeah. god, Rolls Royce Range Rover everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. G wagons. I mean, it's kind of the same. I remember thing the first here, night right? I was in LA, I saw a fucking Veyron parked on the side of the road. Yeah, I was like, what the hell is yeah. this? <laughs> like, sure, we have these kind of cars in Vancouver, but they're tucked in these pretty little showrooms. I always all wiped up and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't expect to just see it like, oh, parallel park there. Yeah. <laughs> 
different culture. You guys are on a different level, Los Angeles. Oh, uh, I just did daily. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I'd like to see what else he has. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. If you have a Veyron, you've got like 10 other supercars. Well, Bugatti released it in a press conference themselves. They say every their average Veyron owner has an average of 60 cars. Jesus Christ. 60 cars? What? Whereas the average like Bentley owner has an average of 6 cars. Yeah, that makes sense. So they want to make sure that there's that distinction. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes when you see like, kids walk by like a Bentley or a Bugatti, or even walk by a Bugatti, right? Yeah. Your parents will be like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a Bentley there. <laughs> no, it ain't, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, going back to one more thing I want to touch on from Geneva that I heard briefly. I know nothing about this other than the fact that um, so Spiker apparently has like a new car coming out. Yeah. Another one of those cars, uh, the C8, um, I think it was a C8, um, that's like really cool looking, really unique, but at the same time, I think the first one had like the 4.2 Audi V8, right? But this time, I heard that they're putting a Koenigsegg engine in the new Spiker, which is insane to me because it's like, well, the Huayra has the AMG engine, but now Koenigsegg's kind of doing the opposite where... Um, Christian basically like he he's an engineer he's he does crazy stuff from like you know the wheels the gearbox the engine so now if this works out Spiker having a Koenigsegg engine I think what happened was because Spiker was from Holland originally yeah. right their hometown represent no I'm kidding oh that's pretty badass <laughs> so Koenigsegg ended up buying Spiker yeah so that naturally they ditched the Audi engine ah I did not see I didn't know that that makes sense now, yeah. That's not as much of a surprise. So now Spiker has come back from the dead, and they're doing low-production carbon fiber-bodied convertible, and they call it the Preliator. Oh, what the heck? So uh, before it was called the Alien. Oh, right, yeah, I remember that and one. they yeah. only made 50 versions of that, and now they're making it in this form. And the price on it has increased quite a lot, 430 grand U.S., Holy cow. For that kind of money, I'm thinking about a lot of other things, brother. But even still, Koenigsegg, that, that's kind of their, like, their step down, right? I think they're trying to create it as, like, their lower line. Yeah. Sort of like uh, Ferrari, Maserati. Yeah. Makes sense. Meanwhile, McLaren's just like, oh, you can have the 540C and the P1 at the same dealership. Exactly. Not a problem. No, but this, like, this car, sure, it's nice. It's got the body, the engine, whatever, but... Mm-hmm. The shape looks really old. I haven't. I haven't actually seen it. It's the same as the Alien. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. exactly yeah. the same. They did yeah. not change it at all. They're honestly. I think they're too. I like a small car. Yeah. I think they're too small. And this is LT money. Yeah. Like you said, four hundred grand Canadian. That's a shit. You could buy so many. You could buy a four eighty, and you'd have a decent chunk of change. Yeah. Yeah. This is no. This is four thirty US, bro. Four thirty US. So it's like six hundred Canadian. Wow. Almost. Wow. Yep, that is... Yeah, you get A12 super fast. Yeah. You get the LT. Which, come on, A12 super fast. Ridiculous name. (laughs) You'd probably pick up a 720 and a use 540 at the same damn time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess the 720 is kind of going to be around that price too, eh? So, uh, in conclusion, they're not going to sell any of these bikers. What do you mean they're not selling any? They're not going to sell any of them. 
They just made it? No, I'm I'm saying Oh, that, oh, nobody's going to buy them. Yeah, no one's yeah, going to yeah, fucking yeah, want yeah, one yeah. of these for 400 grand US. No, you're right. When now like, 10-year-old design pretty much. 720S if they they're kind of in the similar ballpark price oh, range. Oh, 720S way cheaper, bro. Yeah, that's crazy. That that's insane. I mean, Spike are really cool and all, and I'm sure down the road they'll do some really cool stuff with Chris von Koenigsegg, but at the same time, they need I to mean, design an all new car. Yeah, that's what they need to do. They design an all new car and they use the like, the Koenigsegg technology in it. Mm-hmm. Then I see a future. But for now, I kind of feel like they're like recycling the same thing and trying to like create like bring it back from the dead. Yeah, it's not really doing it for me. Another one of those moments where, like, when the original Spiker C8 came out and it had, you know, like, the gear linkage was all exposed and stuff. That was super cool. Exactly. I think they they need to... Bring some of that back. Bring some of that back. Have that... Kind of like the Huayra has. Like, the Huayra's insane. But then the Koenigsegg designs themselves are getting a little old as well. (laughs) So if you were, say, planning to develop a new car, wouldn't you do it for your main company first? Yeah. Yeah. Like I know they have the Regera now and stuff, but mm-hmm. it still kind of looks like the older one. Sure, yeah. Whereas the Yara is like completely different from this yeah. one. Like it has, it has cues from it, mm-hmm. but the shape is just totally not the same, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I mean, if you put like a one to one or a Regera next to a Koenigsegg like CCX or whatever, they're very. They're still kind of got that. That's like almost like comparing a 540C and a 650S or something like that, right? <laughs> They're very similar in nature. They've got kind of the same proportions and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, an all-new car is an all-new car, regardless, right? You got to keep it fresh in this in this game. Mm-hmm. That's why I tend to not fall into the whole chasing new car kind of thing, because you sure. lose a lot of money real quick doing that. Yeah. Yeah. By classics. Classics are the ones that go up. <laughs> I know it's super different. I know it doesn't work with the wiring that we have been set up to be like because of all like the phones and the technology and stuff. Yeah. But I feel like cars is like if you're really a gearhead and you you like to unless you're rich as fuck, then whatever, right? Sure. It doesn't yeah. matter. But, Have it all. But as a regular person, like try to just find what appeals best to yourself. Like mm-hmm. if you like to drive Look for BMW, Lotus, Porsche. Mm-hmm. Like aim for that MR2. But if you if you like the comfort, Mercedes, Volvo has R models. Yeah, yeah. So there has been a lot of good cars that they made back in the day, and the reason why a lot of the old cars are so much better was because back in the day to buy a car, it meant so much more. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. There wasn't crazy like low finance or leasing. Right now, like, a car is. A necessity, right? You yeah. have to have it. Sort of just like a monthly you, payment. Sort of like you have to buy a pair of shoes. Yeah. Back in the day, you didn't have to. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, too, the classic car market, like if you're looking for something, like you said, to get in, if you love driving, obviously, first and foremost, go with something that you love to drive and you want. Um, but if it's going to be one of those situations where the car is either just going to hold its value, you know it's going to hold its value for the next 10, 20 years, uh, or it's going to appreciate I feel like it fluctuates a lot slower with older cars versus like a 911R two years from now. Who knows what that car is going to cost? Nobody knows, right? Well, I know it took a small shit after the new GT3 came out. That's what I'm saying. Exactly, right? (laughs) It went up from... Same with the um, GT350R Mustang, right? Two years from now, who knows what... Like, maybe the 4GT tech, like, trickles down a little bit, right? And then you get some of that, too. It's... 
So I feel like, like you're saying with classic cars, it's much more of a, it's not a guaranteed thing, but it's, they're, they're a little bit more stable. Yeah. In terms of newer cars, it's a bit of a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. Unless you're very well informed and you know down to a T of like, you know, how many they're making that year in that color. Yeah. You've got some insider information. It's very likely that you will lose money unless mm-hmm. you're like, you know, like you said, got some insider information, right? Yeah. Vancouver Auto Show next week. Yes. Or, or two weeks from now, actually. Vancouver. That's an exciting time. I, I really like the auto show. Even though, you know, it's not one of those shows uh, like Geneva where people are, like, companies are actually unveiling stuff. Oh, we're Canada, man. Come yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> we're small as fuck. Yeah. Even at the LA Auto Show, they don't. I mean, they do a little bit, but. Do you know the population of California is larger than the population of Canada? Yeah, by like five or six million people. Game yeah. over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. LA's overpopulated, let's be honest. But yep. uh but no, yeah, Vancouver Auto Show. Last year I remember last year was really cool and it broke a lot of like I saw an Enzo for the first time. Yeah. Saw an F forty for the first time, F fifty for the first time in person. Um and a few other cars that I'd never ever seen. Uh what what else was new last year? I forget. But I guess they're gonna have what are they gonna have this year? The first singer coop in Canada. No way. Will be unveiled at the Vancouver Auto Show. Oh, I get to see a singer. That's exciting. And I actually am invited to the preview party one night before the nice. auto show. So yes. I get to see it just 24 hours faster than everybody else. <laughs> hey, but man. Yeah, I think this year, auto show is going to be pretty interesting. You know, we got a lot of other shows lined up as well. There's yeah. like Driven, a bunch of tuning stuff. Uh, there's Old Car Sunday. That's one of my favorites. Father's Day every year. Old Car Sunday. Nice. Yeah, Where's that? Some park in Mich- Mission Heritage Park or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. 1,500 cars. Wow. Come hang if you can. We're going to roll deep. Now, do they have to be like just older than a certain year? or is I it- think it's anything. Oh, okay. Nice. If you love it, you bring it. Yeah. And you talk about it. Wow. That it's is just, cool. It's just a full-on hangout. Yeah. It's like situated in like a bowl. And then oh, you drive down to the bottom of the bowl, yeah. and then all the cars are lined up there, and you walk back up to the hill, and you look down. Holy shit, that's a spectacle. Yeah, that's going to make for some good oh, drone footage, just from like looking down and stuff. I'll probably see you there. That would be cool. It's going to be fun, man. This summer is going to be crazy. Yeah, there's yes. a lot of stuff, and a lot of people, too. I, knew, I know uh, a couple drift groups from, uh, or drift teams from, you know, like Alberta, are coming over and like I've been in contact with a few of them that are coming over for Dri- Driven in June. And they're like, yeah, let's film. So there's going to be like a lot of people, you know, coming and going, coming, a couple of people from from like uh, Seattle coming up, you know, for different car shows and stuff like that. Mm, let's try to look for a place to slide around then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do some drifting. Sounds exciting. Yeah, Vancouver Auto Show. I don't know if you've uh, <laughs> one of the podcasts we recorded recently. We did this. We used to do this thing at the auto show where we would fuck around with people and we'd go into cars with like four doors or something and we'd get in and we'd set the childproof safety locks in the back doors. <laughs> we'd get out and go to a different car and just like watch them. So like some family would get in or like some people and that maybe there was someone else, a stranger in the front and they would get in the back and then they wouldn't be able to get out. <laughs> so they'd have to like knock on the windows and like That's try hilarious. to get someone to open the door. I actually did a very similar thing this year. Yeah? <laughs> I would go into all the cars in the auto show yeah. and turn the radios on and change it to like uh, either Punjabi or... You're that guy. Yeah, or, or the Chinese channel. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just fucking crank that shit and just walk yeah. away from it. 
That's the worst. It's like, like the most embarrassing thing. But like, why is it embarrassing? If you like got in the, there to the car and you're just like sitting in it and then boom, because the, everybody around you just like looks at you. Hey, some people want to know where the best dim sum is, right? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Oh, that's hilarious. Also, I feel like every year it fluctuates. Manufacturers like fluctuate. Um, which cars they decide to let people into and which price point they kind of cap it off at. Because I remember you could, last year you could get into a C7 Z06, which at the time was like, you know, 90K, somewhere around there, which is one of, and one year you could get into the R35 as well, right? Which are also still up there. Um, but I wonder if any manufacturers will be one of those manufacturers where it's like, hey, if you start talking to the representatives, if they if you show actual interest, you know, like Lamborghini and Ferrari, Oh, they'll let you check out the car, obviously, right? They're there for promotion and stuff like that. Yeah, I think so. But other manufacturers, you kind of get this vibe where it's like they, they don't want to really talk to you and all their cars are locked maybe or whatever the case may be. But mm, Depends on the cost of the car, I believe. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like you're less yeah. likely to be able to get into like a 918 or a LT McLaren than, yeah. say, the newest uh, Suzuki <laughs> Aereo or whatever the fuck those are called nowadays. Yeah. Or like a G65 AMG even. Like Is that's... Suzuki even still around? I think Suzuki died, hopefully, maybe. Hopefully? <laughs> Come maybe. on, they made some good cars. Name one good Suzuki. Uh, what were those? The Suzuki... Um... The Samurai was dope. Yes, exactly. The Samurai. Yeah, I've seen, one, I've seen some of those do some yeah. like off-road. They're like light little off-roaders. They're very capable. Don't get me wrong. But I'm talking... Yeah, I'm talking like, you know, Suzuki Swift. Suzuki of the early 2000s. Not a fan of the Viterra. Oh, God. All those cars. They Like the PG Cruiser, the Aztec. That was a weird time in automotive. And uh, the Chrysler... Or the, yeah, the Prowler. First weird. gen Toyota Echo. Cars. Yeah, the Echo was weird too, wasn't it? That was it? a fucked up era, man. I remember we got a Toyota Echo as a rental car, <laughs> and I pushed the air vent, and it went in. <laughs> like, it went in. Just it disappeared. Yeah, it disappeared. Yeah, it disappeared. I was like, what? Where'd you go? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, you don't ever want to be caught in one of those in an accident. No. Big trouble. Yeah. Yeah, it's scary. Someone I on uh, BCMR2... Last week, someone uh, unfortunately got hit, got smucked in their MR2. Nice yellow MR2. Shit. Yeah, in Burnaby. But it's funny because when something like that happens, even if the person's not in the BC MR2 group, or yeah. any any group for that matter, with any specific car, they get posted, pictures get posted immediately. It's like, oh, whose car is this? Oh, like, sorry to see that or whatever. I don't know. I love how fortunate we are that we have the 15-year rule, and in the uh, U.S., they have the 25-year rule. Yeah. So we can always buy cars that are just like a year away from being ex- admissible into the states. Yeah, because there's a price difference. And then as soon as it's it. yeah. as soon as it's admissible in the states, even the prices in Japan jump every single time without fail. Yeah. So any yeah. car, it's very all you uh, Yankees make make some friends with us up north. Yeah, you may need us. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, even uh, Matt and I were talking about uh, R32 Skyline prices, and even uh, like a GTST are like you know eight nine k here. They're like fourteen grand in the states. I'm looking at all like the rare um, like Evos and STIs. Yeah, I try to look for not like twenty two B style, but like sure, yeah, yeah, you know maybe a Tommy Mackinnon edition Evo, right? Or like a Evo Seven, yeah, like the really clean one. Those are still cheap, man. Oh sure, yeah, something that you know. That the really hardcore enthusiast is going to go out of their way to find and pay, hopefully, pay a premium for. 
Never bought a Japanese car before, but I, uh, you know, a Tommy Mackinnon or a really rare uh, STI from that era. Yeah, might sway me that way. That you're just for a short that? period of time, I just bring it over and see if anyone here wants it. Mm-hmm. I'm still more into the European cars. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Hey, man, I would drive a European car, but uh, I'm in that price point where all the European cars I can afford are ticking time bombs, as we were discussing earlier. <laughs> uh, we can talk. We can talk. <laughs> I can figure something out for you. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, if if they had made a Mercedes C43 AMG in a stick shift, I would, I would buy that car immediately because those are cheap. Those are cheap right now. I, I love the idea of that, you know, just a lightweight four-door sedan with a naturally aspirated v8 but as a, all most amgs are it's an auto right was the 43 a v8 it was a 4.3 liter v8 yeah Holy it was fuck. it was a c32 or no yeah that was a v6 i can't remember but anyways. i'd just grab a kazi if i were you or that yeah 190 e kazi yep that must be super nice i've seen a couple of those recently dog box bro yeah hella dope a lot of people think those are ugly cars to each their own. A lot of people. I think that's a gorgeous. It's a classic me, design. If it's good enough for Senna, it's good enough for me, bro. <laughs> I don't give a fuck what all those other people say. If it's good enough for Senna, it's good enough for me. Sure, yeah. Yeah. It works out sometimes, though. You know, when you have a car that a lot of, like, overwhelmingly people think is a not good-looking car out yeah. of the bunch, like, uh, like a 996, right, to yeah. a more extent, it's like... Well, there's an upside to that. If you want to build just... If you don't give a crap about looks and you want to build the fastest car for cheap, get a 996. Yep. Like... <laughs> Such a good chassis. Oh, yeah. Such a good chassis. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at heart, it's all the same. I mean, some people think the... I mean, Ferrari had some, you know, hit or misses, so to speak, and then the 458 comes along, and pretty much overwhelmingly, people are like, wow, the 458's an awesome-looking car. Well, basically, every car 360 and after is pretty reliable. Right. Other than the F1 tranny. Yeah. So 458, they did the DSG and that was okay. But mm-hmm. every Ferrari before the 360 has to do engine out maintenance, right? Mm-hmm. So this just completely makes it not viable as an everyday car. Whereas 360 and after, you can use them every day if you wish. Yeah, you can and drive they, them. And yeah. they don't ride terribly. Mm-hmm. They don't ride like a McLaren with hydraulic suspension, but they don't ride terribly. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Same with Porsche. The 996, as long as... Well, the thing with the 996 is... The engines do blow up. Yes. That's the problem with the water-cooled cars that are <laughs> right. not the GT3 or the turbo engines. Mm-hmm. So anything water-cooled pre-991, mm-hmm. so 1999 all the way to 2008, mm-hmm. everything that's not a GT3 or a turbo, the engine will eventually uh, chew itself up. It's a design flaw. They have been addressed Many, many times already, there are lawsuits currently happening. Yeah, because, sure. Because, you know, people don't expect to buy cars that only last 100,000 KMs when Porsche is known for their reliability. Yeah. Yeah, but other than that, you know, I've seen turbos go like 300,000 kilometers. Yeah, so that that's insane. And they don't even hiccup, right? They, you just that's change crazy. oil and, like, belts on it. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, it's weird because you look at that and Porsche's, like, with mileage, everybody knows the reliability, so the mileage, I think think doesn't like you probably know more about this than i do but doesn't matter maybe as much in the used market yes but like i was i was looking at mp4s recently like the 12 c's 
And if you're looking at a 40,000 kilometer car versus like a 15,000 kilometer car, there's like a 40 grand difference in That's price. Supercar world. Yeah. Supercar world is mileage is everything. Especially like even the lower end Ferraris, mm-hmm. a lot of people still treat them like they were Ferraris from like the 80s or 90s, right? So they don't even take them out unless it's a super sunny day or whatnot. And then the whole life range of the engine yeah. doesn't even go over like 15,000 km. Yeah. Which is, in my mind, wrong because those cars aren't designed for that kind of thing anymore. Yeah. And a lot of those cars work better or last longer potentially if oh, you actually absolutely. drive them like every yeah. week, every couple of weeks, you know? Garage queens are the ones that usually get fucked up as soon as you take it out for a drive, right? Because all the seals are all f- fucking hardened and yeah. all the liquids are all fucking, you know, they're not fluid and moving through the engine. And yeah. It's a f- living thing. It's a, it's a moving, you know? Exactly. Thing. So when you yeah. fire it up, it's not all lubed up. You floor it. It's fucked. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, yeah, it's sad with the uh, water cooled Porsches, right? They they're known to lunch themselves at like a hundred thousand or a hundred fifty thousand km. We just had a Carrera four S that's going to come back in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. One hundred forty three. Wow, lunched. Wow. But the problem is, is because they don't race those engines. The ones that they race uh, are the turbos and the GT threes. They probably those, have like all forged internals. Kind those of are race proven. Those are meant to last and not come into the pits all the time. Yeah. Whereas the street one is like, that's why when we talk about corporations, I feel a little they uneasy. They just need to sell right? a lot of them, right? Yeah. So yeah. in a way, it's not a bad thing that they explode for them at 100,000 cams because as soon as you take it back to Porsche Center and get it redone, then 25 grand in the pocket, right? Yeah. Fuck. They're not cheap to rebuild. It's, I've gotten it quotes anywhere from $35,000 wow. to 15 grand. To rip the engine out and stick another one in, and fingers crossed it doesn't blow up again. Yeah. To just sell the goddamn car with no engine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't think somebody with a 911 should have to go through that. No. Yeah. Where, that's why air cooled is the way to go. Yeah. Convert my whole collection to air cooled now. Fuck Keep it. Keep on telling me. <laughs> Has anybody done that? Has anybody put like an old 3.3 or something in a like 996 or 997 no because no. those cars are so heavy oh yeah why so would, you yeah. stick the air cool engine and it'll become a slug yeah, yeah whereas i've true. seen people take the turbo engine from a 996 and stick it into an air-cooled car mm. add a third radiator in the front and then you're good to go that's a death trap there's actually an rwb that has really? that set up yeah wow. don julio on instagram yeah. It's a yeah. It's a yellow one. I mean, yeah. What do you need with more power and lightweight? You need more contact patch with the road to actually put the power down and not have a crazy scary car. Nine nine six turbo is quite a bit hairier than the nine nine seven turbo, even though they're very similar in terms right. of like generation. The nine nine six does feel much more raw, mm. which is why the GT twos of those generation were extremely notorious for wrapping themselves around poles ending up inside hedges yeah i don't think they made very many and every year the numbers go down yeah i even know a person that's wrecked one yeah like it's completely a common thing it's like oh you have a gt2 (laughs) have you crashed it before (laughs) no holy shit like wow yeah that's that's rare to find a gt2 that's been completely you know unrepainted at any point of its life because it's very common yeah that they see some that there's a story behind it. Whereas the 997 GT2, the generation jumps so much. Lots of traction the control. Car is stable. And, yeah. You know, it has the badge of the ferocity, but then 
You know, you can still – it's like a tamed lion. Sure, yeah. Still bite your head off, but you can control it to some degree. Whereas yeah. GT2 is like straight-up wild-ass lion. You're trying to ride that shit into the sunset. <laughs> Turbos make it so much worse too, right? I mean, not worse in the sense that like they're so – unpredictable in a sense like that right? well the gt2 was because it had no traction no nothing right yeah yeah and the the turbo was much more stable in that sense because it had all of that stuff in it whereas the gt2 was like okay we're gonna see what happens when we yank it up undrivable it's <laughs> pretty much what happened for the mortal man yeah you know not everybody's walter roll yeah some people buy cars just because of that fact, you know, like the window maker. Yeah, like even older Vipers to a lesser extent, they obviously don't oh, have as much power. Uh, Vipers, they, you'd be surprised, man. Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. No, um, completely composite body car. Yeah, I don't know. With Interesting fact too. about the original Viper: the front hood of it was like one of the most expensive pieces like ever made in a production American car at that time. Wow. Yeah, I believe to that. replace the thing was like anywhere from. 20, 20 grand US at the th- the in that back then money, that's insane. What would, that's just like it's a clamshell. Oh okay, wait, clamshell. What does that mean? So front fenders are incorporated. Into oh right, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Full carbon, one giant, like you know, big ass Batman fuck you piece. <laughs> Super gangster. That's nuts. And I think the really original ones had like no locks even in them. Yeah, Jay Leno had the, the first one. He said there's like you no locks. Yeah, yeah, the convertible top's manual. So you just you basically leave the top open and have the doors <laughs> unlocked. It's like a Shelby yeah. Cobra kit car. Oh, but there's a certain hilarious. fascination around that, right? Sure, yeah. I remember seeing that car the first time. I went to Vegas when I was like eight or nine years old with my parents. Walking into the MGM Grand and a red Viper was the grand prize in the casino. Spinning at the top there. And I just Probably still is. <laughs> I stared at that thing for like... 10 minutes straight and i was yeah. like i want that car so bad yeah like so fucking bad you have no idea that early like, vipers are like that was really the first car that had like an insane impact mm-hmm. like to me when i saw it i was really like, shit like that thing is gangster that's cool so what then just american cars just lost their way with you and then now it's all your like what do you think of the ford gt the 2000 i mean not the new one the 2005 ford gt that one's pretty dope yeah I would personally, though, for the money that they ha- they are commanding now. Yeah, like half. Why million. don't you just look for you know a original GT40, or if that's totally out of reach, then maybe even get a super performance GT40 replica because that's the that is still created true to its form, yeah. 40 inches off the ground, scare the shit out of you, you know. Yeah. Fly by the seat of your pants, whereas the 2005 one, I feel like you got the looks. Mm-hmm. But then you can still like drive it like a regular car. Sure, yeah. So it depends what you want to do with it, I guess. Yeah. If it, if you are say to get like the 2005 one for that money, why don't you just order a new one? Sure, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it looks better in my mind than the new one. Yeah. It has like those crazy like airplane vents. Yeah. The thing's got ridiculous arrow. Uh, apparently, it's got like 218 mile an hour top speed. Okay. Apparently, yeah. it's just as fast as you know the McLarens and the Porsches and the Ferraris. Mm-hmm. So why not, right? Whereas if I had the 05, it's it's sort of like no man's land in my mind. Sure, it's yeah. It's not quite old enough to be like a complete collector. And you're right; it's not a collector necessarily. I mean, yet it's not some people. It's but. not cutting edge enough to keep up with the the new boys, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not in that camp of it's not appreciating because it's like a new 911R that they just came out with a manual, right? And that's the thing with cars, like. 
it, time always is uh, the great equalizer, right? Mm-hmm. It can either make it very valuable or it can make it go down. Yeah. So when that car first came out, like four or five years after it came out, I remember they dropped down to like 120 US, 110 yeah. US at some point. Yeah. And if you told somebody that right now, they'd be like, I'll take a dozen. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and that's the same thing even with the LFA. I remember there was this blue LFA that just sat at one of our local dealerships mm-hmm. back in like when it first came out. And that thing fucking sat there for a year. Maybe yeah, nobody wanted two them. years. Yeah. And the thing was three hundred thirty grand Canadian. I remember walking in there looking at the sticker price. Three hundred thirty eight grand Canadian and nobody fucking wanted it. Yeah, it's and a I, Lexus, and that's I stood why. there and I was like, Shit, this is a nice car. Wow, that's a lot of money for it. <laughs> and then now three hundred thirty US and you can't even get one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Time. And production number. Well, they only made five hundred LFAs. Yeah. And a lot of those case scenarios, like a lot, a lot of them, like the LFA, is like Lexus didn't make more because nobody was buying them. And then five, ten years down the road, everybody's like, oh, that was an amazing car? Oh, yeah, it was. It was awesome. They lost so much money on that thing. Yeah. Like a retarded money. Yeah, I believe that. It was because they had to make a brand new factory for it. And it was because the uh, CEO, Akio Toyota, was just super obsessed with showing the world, we can do it too. We can do it too, guys. Sure, yeah. Like, you're not the only one that can do carbon shell and you know make a crazy sounding supercar. We can do it too. One of the best, still to this day, one of the best sounding supercars. That's the thing with CEOs right? when they try to chase that, when they tip the passion over yeah. the corporate level, it can be disastrous for the corporate side of things. Right? Same with Ferdinand Piecht and the Veyron and the Phaeton. Yeah. Like a Phaeton today, you can buy for ten grand. The it's amount not, of technology you can get in there. You get a Bentley for ten grand. I kind of kind of don't mind one of those either. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen one of those in like at least five years. Saw one yesterday. West Broadway, no kidding. Yeah. Are you serious? Nice. I found. I saw one with a really nice paint job yesterday. I don't know what it is. I'm gonna look for it. It's like the silver color that, as it drove by, it turned this like iridescent green. Oh, that's cool. And I think they over-engineered the shit out of those things. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. And that's why all of these companies that do that, they have like an age of turmoil after. So Toyota, LFA, and then they had like their little fucking unintended acceleration or braking thing. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Volkswagen, same thing with the the Veyron and the Phaeton. Lost a shitload of money. And then all of a sudden they have this like, crazy diesel scandal yeah. or like all these different scandals and yeah and like toyota after um after the lfa is like i mean they have the frs sure okay but now they're just starting to get back into the sports car market the like LC. the real sports car market we're like hey we're gonna have a four or five hundred horsepower sports car that's you know maybe like 70 grand that can actually compete with uh, whatever maybe no, good for them point. for doing that because I I looked after uh, listening to your podcast with Matt talking about the LC I looked into it a little mm-hmm. more fuck that car looks a lot better than like an S class coupe or a six series or you know whatever the Germans can throw at them right so they better get back to the drawing board and make something nice yeah or uh, yeah Lexus gonna steal a lot of sales from them yeah like Too I bad think they can't make more oh yeah no for sure yeah whether production be... number is low on that car I heard it's very low yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, I feel like the, like the M6 Grand Coupe right now, I think, is one of the best-looking six... Like, it's one of my favorite big luxury sedans. But at the same time, five years from now, I think it's going to look very dated. Um, I would go Alpina. 
Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen a couple of those around. Those would be a bit more timeless. Yeah. Because Alpinas, even today, like the older ones, they command a much higher value than like. Yeah. The M car. Who the fuck gives a shit about M car? From yeah. like you know, <laughs> unless you're talking eighty five M five. Sure, that's a hell of nice one. Yeah. Solid fifty Gs right there. Yeah. But you know, E thirty six M three. Yeah, less than ten Whoa. grand probably. Yeah. I'd love driving one. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I drove yeah. one of those. Hella dope. Yeah. But from a value standpoint. Yeah. Which is why? Why do people even buy Honda Civics and shit? Get a fucking M three, right? man. Right. <laughs> Uh, people just don't do their research. I, I know that's what I would game. do. If I had to buy something that was 10 Gs yeah. and, and live with it every day, why not buy an MR2? That, that was my exact thought process. <laughs> it's like I'm, my budget's less than $10,000 and I need something. And it hasn't fucked up other than this run. one ECU thing. Yeah. No, it's yeah, been fine. So yeah. Let me tell you, a lot of these modern cars, they'll throw way more hiccups at you because that's how the system is designed. Yeah. They just do not make the same quality products as they used to because now they are mass produced. It's the same thing with your iPhone after you update the iOS and the fucking battery goes down fifty percent and it dies. <laughs> that happens all the time. Same to my shit, man. I'm like, oh, you're kidding. Your phone was at fifty percent and it just died. Happens to mine too. Like <laughs> they're saying, buy that iPhone seven. Ah, that's what they're trying to get you to do. Of course, it's fucking bullshit, but it is what it is, right? Yeah. Hey, anyways, man, what do you say we wrap this up? Yep, it's been another beautiful one. This was a good podcast, man. Thank you for uh, having me over again, recording. Oh, absolutely. Anytime, and we'll probably have another one soon. Yes, we'll be doing a bunch of podcasts. We'll get, uh, we still haven't done uh, me, you, and Dylan. We'll get Dylan on the podcast. Yep. Do that. That'll be a good conversation. Um, where can people find you? Koi Canada on Instagram, K O I Canada, one word, as well as RWB underscore Vancouver. There it is. All right, go follow Sid. Check out his cars and awesome build coming up in the next little bit. Also, you, you'll be able to see all that content on uh, our YouTube channel. So go check it out there. Give us a rating, too, on iTunes if you haven't already. And, yeah, we'll be back next week. See you soon, guys. Peace out, you sexy fucks. <laughs> they are pretty sexy. They are pretty sexy.